0: Good afternoon, welcome to Fire the Family Podcast. This is episode three, and in this episode, we're gonna be talking about uh, nine tips to buying a car from a dealership. I say nine tips because that's the title of the post that this podcast is for, but we're just gonna have a conversation around that. I originally posted this episode on my way, uh, commuting with my boys on the way to daycare this morning, and uh, really, that was part of the plan when I started this, was to just record a quick 15-minute episode on the way Uh, to dropping them off but what I found was that it's really hard to keep my focus to hit the high points that I wanted to hit and make a quality uh, piece of content so I'm just sitting here on my couch it's uh, actually early evening and uh, we had dinner and everything and my son's watching um, American Ninja Warrior right now he's pretty into that so it's pretty exciting Uh, so we're going to go over uh, kind of the reasoning behind why Kayla and I purchased a new used car why we took a loan out and uh, what that means for our fire journey, for uh, how this might work for your fire journey, uh, or how it may not. Uh, a lot of personal finance gurus out there uh, advise against taking out loans. Dave Ramsey will tell you never take another loan out in your life. A lot of them will say save up and pay cash. Well, they're not wrong. I'm not disagreeing with them. Uh, it just didn't kind of it didn't fit our life situation and our goals and what we're looking for in a reliable vehicle. So I'm going to go over the uh, some of the purchase price, some of the, t- the trade-in value, some tips and tricks, and what we used ultimately to get a better deal on the car. So what I want to start with is that, like I mentioned a little bit a second ago, buying a used car or getting a per, uh, car loan in any respect is really not a great financial decision. In any way you cut it, you're going to be spending, uh, having a monthly payment where that money could otherwise be going to a retirement account or some sort of invested account where you're gonna get a return on your money rather than charged interest for the money that you're spending. So instead of our monthly payment going into my 401k or my personal Roth IRA or Kayla's uh, 401k through the school district, that money cannot go and make an average of eight and a half percent in the S&P 500 like, uh, like the stock market has over the past 30 years. That money is now Going towards a depreciating asset where every month or every year probably is an easier way to look at it, that car is worth less and less and less, but the car payment stays the same, and we 're paying principal and interest, so principal is the money that you actually owe on the car. interest is basically your fee for taking out the loan, and the more you pay on the principal or the more you pay on each payment that you put towards principal, the faster your loan's going to get paid off, and the less interest you 're going to pay. Uh, So the good good rule of thumb, a good idea is that you want low car payments, but when you go to the dealership, that's not what you want to focus on. You want to focus on total car price, price out the door, and that includes sales tax. A lot of people don't realize that, but when you're looking at a $20,000 car, you can budget pretty much about two grand for sales tax, and that's going to be added on to your loan, and you're going to be paying interest on that amount as well. And So that's an interesting thought there because that's going to raise your price by about $20 or $30 a month depending on the, the price of the car, obviously, and if you have a trade-in and what your total loan value is. So let's jump jump into the post here. And uh, basically, uh, if you want to read along, if you want to go and read the full thought-out post with pictures and figures, uh, go to firethefamily.com. Uh, it's the most recent post that we have on there and uh, has a picture of my wife sitting in her new car. So what I want to start with is the reason why we are comfortable getting a car loan is because even with this car payment that we are going to have, uh, we are still going to be saving over 40% of our income each month. And if you've read any of my other posts, that's pretty much what our goal is. If we can save 40% each month, we're going to be able to have the choice to retire early. We'll definitely be financially independent at the time in the time period that we're looking for. So anything above that can be discretionary or you know, can go to another cause. It can go to... Uh, donations or uh, giving, um, whatever, you, whatever you feel like you need to do, but we were comfortable with the car payment because, I mean, we're going to be saving a decent amount of money each month in the, in the thousands of dollars, and this is just a fraction of that. That's a very small fraction, uh, so we're completely comfortable and willing to make that trade-off for the reliability and the long-term value that we're going to be able to get out of this car. So my first tip is never buy new cars. I learned this lesson the hard way in 2013, we paid uh, about $18,000 for a Chrysler 200 touring and at the time it was really because, the reason we bought it was because we were looking at uh, many different cars in that price range, about the fifteen dollars to $16,000 price range and they all had about 40,000, 50,000 miles. They were all prior rentals and we ran across, ended up running against, across this car and it was brand new and it was about 17 let's say $17,000, $18,000 And, uh, we're like, Oh, it had zero miles on it or 40 miles. It was brand new. So it was like, well, it makes, it makes logical sense to us to buy a brand new car for a couple thousand dollars more than buy, you know, a a heavily used car for 15, 16,000. And we weren't wrong. I don't think that was a terrible decision. Uh, the model of the car is really what, you know, and what the car turned out to be is really what, uh, what kicked our butt. So walking out the door is probably a little bit more than eighteen thousand. I remember getting him down a little bit on the purchase price. I think we got him down close to a thousand dollars on the car. So adding that all in was probably around eighteen, nineteen grand when we walked out. It was a while back, so I don't remember the exact figures. But the day we walked off the lot, you know, just like any other new car, we lost a ton of money in depreciation. And uh, fast forward to today or Saturday when we uh, when we when we traded it in, uh, we got. Six or $5,000 trade-in value for the car. Uh, Washington State has a $1,000 sales tax uh, credit, so ultimately we got about $6,000 with the value out of trading that car in rather than selling it uh, outright on Craigslist. And I could have done that. I don't have a problem doing that, uh, but I don't think uh, with the quirks, some of the quirks that the car had and the kind of the way it drove and the condition it was in, I don't think I would have gotten a lot more out of it. I probably would have listed it for eight or 9000 I would have got uh, discounted down just because that's what people do on Craigslist and probably would end up selling it around six or $7,000. So uh, I don't feel too bad about the convenience factor there and just trading it in to get that off the the price of the loan. Uh, But that story is kind of interesting. When we first went into the dealership two weeks ago, they valued my trade in, uh, at $3,500 and I about, I about choked on the food I was eating. And, uh, Ultimately, I was about to walk out right then, but luckily they came up a little bit. It came up to 4,000, and uh, I still wasn't enough. I was on a 2016 Honda Accord Touring, had all the options and everything. It had about 30,000 miles on it, and it was a really nice car. We really liked it. We drove it around, uh, but ultimately we just couldn't come to to agreement. They wanted a little bit too much for the car, wouldn't give me enough for the trade, so we ended up walking, and them letting us walk out the door told me that yeah, they weren't willing to make a deal and we were probably at their, I guess, bottom dollar or the best offers they were going to be able to make on the trade and on the loan itself. So I realized when we went home that day, I realized I didn't really have a lot of leverage. I don't have a good reason for them to come down on price, really. there's not that many. There wasn't that many Hondas in the, in the town for sale that we were looking for in our price range and with the options that we wanted and leather being one of them. And that actually was harder to find than I thought it was going to be. So what I spent the week doing was working on getting some leverage. And uh that leverage that I ended up getting was number 1, I used Kelly Blue Book's instant cash offer. Uh, I didn't intend at all to take him up on that offer, but it is a way to get a uh, price for the car that you're looking at trading in. And it's a cash price and what they do is they partner with a local local dealership and that dealer says, hey, if you bring this car in and everything checks out, as you said, uh, we'll cut you this amount of money and it's, it's, the offer's good for like a week. And uh, what they do is they send you an email certificate. So I took this certificate that said they'd give me 5300 bucks, and I sent it off to my sales guy and said, hey, they're going to do 5300 cash just selling them the car. Uh, what are you guys going to be able to do? Are you going to be able to beat you know your, the four thousand that they that they offered me? And this was at the same dealer owned it, but it was at a different location. It was a Subaru location, and I'm now I'm working at the Honda location with the same sales guy. So ultimately, I agreed to bring my car in on Saturday. This last Saturday, they valued my car at five thousand dollars and said we're not messing around. This is the best we're going to be able to do. Uh, it's better than what we offered you. St- we know it's still not quite what you're looking for, uh, but I was happy with it. I wasn't uh, didn't balk at it too much. Uh, and the main reason is because the, uh, the Chrysler, Chrysler 200, the 2013, had a lot of issues. It was kind of a lemon year for the car. It had uh, less than two out of five star rating on Edmunds. It's got uh, poor reliability, poor performance, poor reviews, plant manufacturing issues. It's not competitive at all in its class. a little bit on the luxury side for that year on uh, the cars that it was competing against, but ultimately it was uh, lacking in pretty much every category. Uh, and then they ended up discontinuing the model itself, the 200, a couple of years later. And when that happens, the cars just tank in value. And here on the website I have uh, a pretty a pretty sweet uh, uh, figure that it just destroyed the value. Uh, the second piece of leverage that I got was uh, during the test drive. So I had found a similar Accord at another dealer had less miles. Um, The one we were test driving at the time was a 2016, silver 2016 from Hawaii that had some body issues and uh, somebody had curbed the rims pretty bad. So uh, what I did was I found a similar year, it was the same year, 2016, and they had it for sale at a local dealer. It was black, had black interior, leather, which is what we're looking for, is the EXL trim and they wanted like 189 for it and so i you know casually floated this over to the sales guys it's like hey i might go look at this one today uh, don't get your hopes up um, i mean i would like to make a deal here uh, i'd like to get the certified pre-owned honda you know the extra warranty the longer mile warranty Um, and, but ultimately if he, if they're not gonna be able to come down in price at all, I'm gonna have to go look at, look at that. So I don't know how much that helped me, but it definitely was something that he probably had in the back of his mind said, Hey, this isn't, this guy's not set on this car and he doesn't have to buy it from me. We already walked out once. I was willing to do it again. And so what I was hoping was that they were just not going to mess around and, and give me what they, what they could do. Uh, and finally, the third piece of leverage that I went and got that week, this past week was... Uh, basically pitting two similar Hondas together or against each other. Uh, one was a two thousand and sixteen silver EXL with black leather. The body issues, the curb rims, and it just for buying a car for spending about twenty thousand dollars. I just wasn't super excited about it. Uh, mostly just because of those issues. I mean, I know it's not brand new, but I also didn't want to buy a car with a bunch of problems. And my wife's going to be the one driving it. And I knew when she showed up to take a look at it, it was she wasn't going to be super happy. It also had forty two thousand miles, which was a little more than we wanted. I uh, also had another car there, it was a champagne-colored car, super clean, uh, tan interior, all leather, it's also the AXL, but as a 2017, it had 12,000 miles, big difference, and the price range was about $2,000 price difference, uh, maybe $3,000, it was about $3,000 at, at the end of the day. Uh, the sticker on the silver one was about $2,100, and the sticker on the champagne-colored one, the 2017, with the less miles, had... Uh, 24,300 was what they wanted for it. So uh, basically pointed out that all the damage on the silver car and let them know like, Hey, you know, if I was willing to buy this one, this is the best I could do. They could come down to like 20,005. That was it because of all the the restoration and work that they were going to have to do to it. Uh, And that's basically the best they could do. So with my $5,000 trade in with the thousand dollar tax credit, I was looking at you know, about $16,000, not counting sales tax. So that puts it up to like $17,500. Um, so I was like, yeah, it's just a little more money than I want to spend for this car that has these body issues uh, and the high mileage. So uh, we ultimately uh, walked, I ended up walking over to the champagne colored car and was like, hey, just looking at it. And I'm like, man, this one's pretty clean. And the sales guy, I remember pretty clearly, he was like, man, too bad your wife didn't really like that color when she saw it the last time. And I was like, she'll like it for the right price. Uh, so we talked about it and I said, Hey, I'm thinking 22,000, they wanted 24, 300. And I was like, I'm thinking 22. He cringed a little bit and I was like, I know, I know, but I'm thinking 22, I'm telling you 22, you come back and tell me what you can do. And the reason why I did that is I know that was low, um, probably not too low. I mean, they may have been able to do that and still, they probably would still walked away with some money out of the deal, but, um, and obviously with financing and everything, um, which we ended up financing through local credit union, but, um, he came back with 22,900. So that's about $1,300, $1,400 off the, uh, the sticker price. So that plus the coming up for 1500 on the trade in, uh, it was about $3,000 got him to move in either direction for, and I, I mean, I was pretty happy with it. I was like, you know, that's pretty close. Let me, let me take my, have my wife, take a look at it and see where we're at. Uh, Kayla looked at it, checked it out, drove it, uh, we chose we ended up agreeing that that was going to be the car for us um looking it up obviously uh with k b b which isn't something you should probably rely on all the time it's a good way to get a range of what 's a fair market range for the car uh so for this specific car with the exact mileage uh fair market price was twenty one thousand nine hundred to twenty four thousand five hundred and typical listing is 23600 three six so 22900 two nine is definitely in that range definitely a fair purchase price. Could we have gotten more? Could we have gotten them down further probably Um, could we have gotten more for the trade? Probably. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you, you gotta do take what you can. And uh, I wanted to get the deal done. I really wanted to get out from under the Chrysler 200 that we had. And, uh, to me it was, it was close. It was close enough. I wasn't going to argue and, and make a big stink over 10 or $20 extra a month. So I know this is a personal finance, uh, uh, blog, but you know, at the end of the day, that's just kind of what I ended up, ended up doing. And that was my decision to make. Uh, let's see. And it was still well within our budget, like not a problem. Um, so let's see. Uh, ultimately I always remember my dad used to tell me this when I was a kid, it's not about how much money you can, you know, really how much, I mean, it's the same, same, same difference, but it's really about how much money can you keep, how much can you keep in your pocket? And every thousand dollars you can keep in your pocket, every $500 you can keep in your pocket is significant and, and definitely helps out. Um, but beyond that, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty minuscule. Um, how to avoid buyer's remorse, the next tip on the list, uh, really you want to be prepared. You want to do the work on the front end. You want to, uh, do everything that you can to know what you're getting yourself into, to know what you can afford. And when you do that, when you do the do the front work, you know when you show up and you make a deal. If that's within that range, you don't really have anything to be you don't have anything to be remorseful for. I mean, you did all the, the pre work, and you might have a little bit of you know anxiety or something like oh, was that a bad financial decision? And, and you can tell yourself that it probably was, but uh, hey, you got a, you got a car out of it. Uh, so here's some tips on avoiding buyer's remorse. Don't tempt yourself with vehicles outside your budget. Don't even look at them. You don't want to do that to yourself because then you're going to automatically discount in your mind. Uh, the cars that you're, you know, that are in your price range, and you might not be nearly as happy with them. Uh, don't purchase anything from the finance guy. That's a big one and pretty much a whole post on itself, uh, and I'll go into detail on that in a little bit. Uh, don't let them fit a more expensive car into your budget. Uh, dealers will often try to do this. They'll ask you what your monthly budget is, and they can fit just about any car on the lot into that budget by increasing your interest rate, by giving you a longer term on the loan, And you don't want to give them that flexibility and that's not really what you're after. You should be after total, walk out the door price, do your own loan calculator on Google, it's super simple, and find out what that monthly payment's gonna be and see if that's within your price range. Don't let them do the math for you because they'll take advantage of you every step of the way. Don't focus on monthly payments. Uh, Focus on total purchase price. Don't forget to add tax to the purchase price. That's a really big one. Uh, We talked about that a little bit beforehand. Uh, because that's going to skew, that's going to change your monthly payment by $10, 20 $30 a month. Have a budget in place and ensure your monthly payment fits into it. So i um, kind of repeating myself there, but they're really important. Once you do all that work, I think that's those are crucial and critical in avoiding that dreaded buyer's remorse. The next tip is don't buy anything from the finance guy. This guy is like the ultimate sales guy in the department. This is where the dealer makes a lot of their money. I don't want to say all of it, but they make a significant amount of money, and a lot of his, not his, their money, I should say finance man man or woman, uh, they make a lot of their money from preying on people that don't know any better. This is why they have their whole spiel. This is why they pull out the blank sheet of paper and draw all over it. Uh, This is why they are trained every day and all day and do this every day and know the numbers uh, to get you to agree to things that you don't really need or want to agree to. So... Um, I had a good friend of mine that used to be a finance guy at a car dealership, and you know, just from the, some of the things that he told me, it's this is uh, not the place where you want to get nervous, not the place where you want to be agreeable, this is the place where you want to know going into it what you do and what you don't want. Not saying all of the stuff they offer is terrible, not saying that you don't need any of it, uh, but if you go in there without any education, without any foresight, I would recommend just passing on everything they say, especially if you're buying a certified pre a lot of the stuff that they are selling you is um, not as necessary as they make it sound let's use wheel and tire protection for one what he told me about wheel and tire protection is that i'm driving down the highway i hit a road hazard knock out both of my wheels on the right side uh, tires obviously uh, rims mess up the rims and then they can't resurface the wheels and all the all of this hoopla and then i'm out you know, thousands of dollars. Well, number one, how often does that happen? Number two, I don't foresee that happening to me. Number three, I have car insurance and uh, they'll argue with you that car insurance won't cover certain things and all this stuff. Uh, And then they'll start wanting to talk about gap insurance because gap insurance is to help cover what insurance won't cover that uh, is on your loan because you're probably going to be underwater on your loan. And uh, I wasn't going to be underwater on my loan. So I didn't really need gap insurance. I felt. And what I did was I was, he was drawing the piece of paper and I was like, man, I should, thinking, thinking internally, I was like, man, I should really just tell him I'm not interested. But what he was doing was he was training somebody and I was like, man, he's training this guy. He's going to get mad if I stop him. So I just let him do his thing and I was, I'm, in, I'm an account manager and I spent a little bit of time in inside sales before I moved over to being an account manager. I'm not saying I'm the most experienced guy in the world, but I did learn a lot, an awful lot. So I was kind of... You know, just watching and, and looking at his mannerisms and trying to judge like if he's good at what he's doing or not. And ultimately, when he was done, I decided, you know, I appreciate it, appreciate, you know, all the education, but uh, I'm gonna pass. And he just he got red faced and he was not happy. He's like, "What? You're gonna you're gonna pass? I'm gonna pass on like all of it." Because yeah, the last slip that he did was. Okay. I talk, told you about everything. There's two packages. You, all you have to do is tell me which one you want to do. And the prices were below. And it was going to raise my monthly payment. The first package by like 150 bucks a month. The second package by like 75 And I was like, dude, I don't want any of this stuff. I'm going to politely, I'm going to pass. Thank you, but no thank you. And I had to tell him thank you, but no thank you like three times. Like, no, nope, I'm going to pass. No thank you. Uh, and then he finally got the got the idea. And he went from telling me about his wife and his kids and their vacation and all these great things about himself and trying to build rapport so just shutting down and doing my paperwork, and he was not super happy. Uh, so uh, that's just how it goes. And then he he just like, you're not even going to do the ten dollar a month gap insurance? It's like, no, dude, I'm not going to do it. Uh, sorry, but I'm not going to do it. Um, and so my my recommendation is to either know exactly what you're getting yourself into, have them explain it and lay it all out. Um, but if you don't trust them, don't do it. Don't go through it. Uh, some of that stuff is intended to get your money, separate you from your money in a time where you're highly stressed out. You're probably tired. You might have your kids with you. Everybody wants to go home and what's 10 or $20 extra a month, uh, when it comes to something that you're probably not going to get much value out of. Uh, so that's my perspective on it. It might not be everybody's, but that's why I politely declined those services. Uh, the other thing is that with a certified pre-owned I was getting, uh, I'm getting a seven year, 100,000 mile warranty on the powertrain, which is the most expensive part of the car. I know cars have technology in them. They have a lot of things that uh, are really great and really expensive if they were to fail, but that's a risk we all take. Um, And uh, I mean, ultimately I don't feel, I feel like uh, even if I did purchase some of their additional services, that uh, something as simple as like, we had a window thing go out in one of our other cars and they had told us that, uh, or in the Chrysler it was, it was the the window switch. And they told us that even if we had purchased that extra coverage, then they wouldn't have been covered. So we're like, oh, what the heck? Um, so that's kind of anecdotal, but uh, it's an interesting thought. The next tip is don't be afraid to walk away. I talked about this on the the deal that we had, the first deal that we were talking about, um, and that's what we did. We ultimately walked away. Two things you can two things can happen. You can always come back. You can go walk away. Say you're going to lunch. You're going to think about it. So you got to sleep on it. Uh, just gauge their re- re- reaction to that. If they're like, hold on, hold on, let me see what I can do. You know, you're not at their bottom dollar. If they let you just walk right out, uh, then they, uh, they're probably close to their bottom dollar and, or they just don't want to make a deal. Um, try to take, if you're going to walk away, try to take the price sheet with you. They'll never let you, but it's worth, tra- it's worth trying to take. Cause if they let you out the door, with that price sheet, that's like gold. If you were to go to another dealership, um, you can, you know, prove that this is what they're going to do and you can pit them against each other. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're probably not going to let that one out the door. That's what I was thinking about when we walked on the first one. I was like, oh man, I left it at the price sheet. That would have been nice to to leave with, uh, with the breakdown of what they were going to do for us, so I could also read some of the fine print. <laughs> the next tip is the salesman doesn't want to be your friend. As much as they act like it, they're trained to build rapport. They want to separate you from your money and make a commission off of it. It's sales. It's sales at its finest, and while not big dealerships aren't nearly as sleazy as some of the smaller dealerships have been been known to be in the past, that cliche used car salesman. Uh, They're going to tell you all the things you want to hear. They're going to tell you how great great you are, uh, how great your family is, um, and how great they're going to look in that new car when you drive off the lot with it. They're going to try to upsell you. They're going to try to get you from Uh, A lesser vehicle to a a, a higher vehicle, they'll even continuously try to move you to a brand new vehicle um, because they're going to move you to what they make the most commission off of. I do the same thing. I work salary plus commission, and every time I'm on the phone with somebody, I try to move towards the direction that's going to get me the most commission. I don't do it on the back of being sleazy or lying or anything like that. And I don't. I haven't had a salesperson that was like that. Maybe you have, but. Um, they don't really want to be your friend. You're not going to go out and get a beer afterwards. You're not going to go be invited to their kid's birthday party. Uh, they'll do whatever it takes to get the next sale because they want to keep their job. They want to feed their family, and ultimately they want to be successful. So that's that. Um, so really, just to recap: the uh, the nine tips to uh, that I picked up getting a uh, buying another used new used vehicle was uh, number one: never buy new cars. Number two, buy new used cars. Number three, never accept the first offer. Number four, get as much leverage as you can. Five, make just one offer lower than you're willing to accept. Number six, avoid buyer's remorse. Seven, don't buy anything from the finance guy. Eight, don't be afraid to walk away or take a break. Number nine, the salesman doesn't want to be your friend. These are all things that came into play during this last purchase. and uh we're really kind of fun to pick up and think about and sharing you know sh- knowing that i was going to share it here with you guys on the website so um, really excited about that uh, we're excited to have the car it's a great car um, and if you want to check out that depreciation chart i was talking about uh, especially for honda if you go to uh, useddirect.com i believe is the link and uh, i have a link to it on the website and it'll, you can type in the, the make and model of the car and it'll give you a depreciation curve from 2019 all the way back till 2017 and it'll show you the best value to buy that car in. So we wanted a Honda Accord and the best value right now is a 2017 because you are uh, avoiding that, you know, what is it, a 35% depreciation from 2019 to 2017, which is a lot. And then going from 2017 to 2016, it's like 2% and 2016, 2015 is like 5% and then so on and so forth. So if you buy a 2017 right now, according to this website, Uh, that's the most value you're going to be able to get out of a used car, uh, avoiding depreciation. So with that being said, I want to thank you for hanging out on the podcast with me. Um, Hopefully these are better. This is probably how I'm going to do it moving forward. It's a little better quality. I can think about my thoughts a little bit better, make it more clear and ultimately bring more value. So the podcast is also posted on the website. Uh, Peep the show notes below for some helpful links. And uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out again. I appreciate the support. We're getting up and running. Um, I don't imagine this taking off for a uh, you know, short amount of time, but I'm re- really excited to see the success and hopefully uh, help you out in your own personal finance journey. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me on Fire the Family podcast.